Welcome to episode 8 of Make Me Watch It, the podcast where you tell me which of the movies I own but haven't watched I'm going to be watching next. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. The podcast, as always, is distributed through Bureau42.com. This month we are looking at Sin City, originally released on April 1st, 2005. Getting into the cast and crew is going to take actually a fair amount of time because of the cast. So the crew has Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller with co-director credits. So even though Frank Miller never physically acted as the director in this, Rodriguez insisted that he share the credit because so much of his directing job was already done in the source material. The Directors Guild of America wouldn't allow members and non-members to share credit, so rather than fight this and set a precedent that Rodriguez knew would be dangerous precedent for the DGA, he instead chose to resign, which is also why he had to back out of directing John Carter, as he'd originally planned. Rodriguez is probably best known for directing the El Mariachi series, the Spy Kids series, Half of From Dusk Till Dawn, and A Quarter of Four Rooms. Quentin Tarantino also has a special guest director credit for directing a single scene in which Dwight is driving towards the tar pits. He got paid a dollar to direct that scene, because that was done in exchange for Robert Rodriguez scoring Kill Bill Volume 2, also for a dollar. Now, Robert Rodriguez also edited the film. And he worked on the film's score along with John Debney and Graham Revel. Debney has 93 music department credits, including the live-action Jungle Book, Iron Man 2, The Passion of the Christ, and Elf. And Graham Revel has 108 composer credits, including Pitch Black, Pineapple Express, the 2003 Daredevil, and 22 episodes of Gotham. Now, the cast in this is pretty incredible, so instead of the usual four titles that each of them have and are known by, I'm just going to stick to one. So we have Jessica Alba from Dark Angel as Nancy Callahan. We've got Devin Aoki from Too Fast, Too Furious as Miho. Alexis Bledel from Gilmore Girls as Becky. Powers Booth from Tombstone as Senator Rourke. Rosario Dawson from all the Marvel Netflix shows. And also Josie and the Pussycats rounding out a comic book hat trick with this film as Gail. Benicio Del Toro from The Usual Suspects as Jackie Boy. Michael Clark Duncan from The Green Mile as Benute. Carlo Gugino from Watchmen as Lucille, Josh Hartnett from Black Hawk Down as The Man, Rutger Hauer from Blade Runner as Rourke in this one, Jamie King from Pearl Harbor as both Goldie and Wendy, Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs as Bob, Brittany Murphy from Clueless as Shelley, Clive Owen from Children of Men as Dwight, Mickey Rourke from Iron Man 2 as Marv, Nick Stahl from Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines as Rourke Jr. and the Yellow Bastard, Mackenzie Vega from The Good Wife is Young Nancy, Bruce Willis from Die Hard is Hardigan, and Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings is Kevin. So how come I own this but I've never actually watched it? I've got the DVD as a gift from a friend of mine who bought it for herself, watched it, hated it, but thought I would enjoy it, so she passed it along to me. I hadn't gone around to watching it until now because I wanted to read the graphic novels first, and even though my local comic guy, Roy Kim, at Thunderground in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada, who you should check out if you're in the area. He runs a good shop. Anyway, Roy typically has it in stock, but my budget is limited and other titles were just more appealing every time I went in. So it's coming up now because it was that multi-way tie for first place with 10 votes from people who wanted me to watch this particular title. This is one of the last two titles from that list to be discussed. Uh, More on that later. So what was the conception and inspiration for this? Well, the inspiration for the movie was just adapting Frank Miller's graphic novels, which is something Robert Rodriguez really wanted to do, 
And in fact, he had to film the opening scene with Josh Hartnett and put it together almost as a demo reel to convince Frank Miller to let him go ahead with the project and that they were going to capture the look and feel like he wanted. Now, as I've said, I'm not terribly familiar with the source material, but since the same Frank Miller that wrote and drew the source material is also the sole credited writer, and he's the co-director because it was supposed to be that similar, he'd done so much of the heavy lifting, I think it's a pretty safe bet that this is a fairly faithful adaptation. In fact, when they were doing production on it, they used the original comics as the storyboards for the film. So unfortunately, I don't know what inspired Frank Miller to create the comics and graphic novels in the first place. Aside from Frank Miller's general love of crime stories, as we've seen in his very respected work on both Daredevil and Batman. The plot in this movie is tough to easily and quickly summarize because of the anthology nature of it. One plot focuses on Bruce Willis's character, who saved an 11-year-old girl from a psychopath with a politically powerful father, only to be gunned down while holding her in his arms. From there, we go to a story about Mickey Rourke's character Marv, who is looking to get revenge against the person who killed the only woman who was ever nice to him, ultimately leading to a prominent member of the church, and that's the guy played by Rutger Hauer. The third major plotline is about Dwight, who tries to protect his girlfriend, but ends up endangering the truce between the police and prostitutes in Old Town, opening the door for the mob and pimps to try to come back, instead of the women running and managing themselves. After that, the movie returns to Bruce Willis's character's story, as he survived the multiple gunshot wounds to the chest, because Senator Rourke wanted to destroy him after what he did to Rourke Jr. So the reason they split up is probably because he spends eight years in jail, and when he comes out to check on that little girl Nancy, who had stopped writing letters and then he received a finger in an envelope, the kind that she used on that schedule, the viewer learns that, yeah, the Nancy that we've seen dancing in the background in the Marv story, played by Jessica Alba, is the same Nancy, grown up eight years later. He realizes that sending him the finger and stopping her letters was a plot to get him to find her for them, so that the Rourkes could get revenge on them. He manages to save her from the immediate danger and sends her off because he figures the only way to protect her in the long run is to kill himself. And the movie opens and closes with vignettes involving Josh Hartnett's serial killer. In terms of the production itself, it's actually really interesting. Most of it is black and white, with limited splashes of color. Now that's easier to do in comic book production than it is in film. On film, it was primarily filmed in front of a green screen, with characters being composited together after the fact which is how Mickey Rourke and Elijah Wood's characters can spend several minutes fighting each other on screen, even though Rourke finished filming before Wood was even cast, and the two never actually met face-to-face in real life until the L.A. premiere of the film. That visual style of a combination of live-action and animation over that live-action is probably and easily the most distinctive element of the film. The plot lines itself, they draw pretty heavily on the film noir genre that was especially popular in the 40s and 50s, they just added more violence to it. As far as this went at the box office, the original budget was about $40 million. So for casts like this, and the amount of visual effects in the production, that's surprisingly cheap. The domestic gross came out at $74,103,820, so almost double the production budget. The worldwide gross was $158,753,820. So that's almost quadruple the domestic. So yeah, looking at our guideline of two to three times the production budget, this was profitable. That's also why we saw a sequel come out in 2014, which is also an eligible title for the podcast. I do like to go through 
the major awards that a movie was nominated for and received, but this actually didn't get any major award nominations. I also like to look at the messages, morals, and meanings in a segment of the podcast that I've shamelessly stolen from Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, which I highly encourage everyone to listen to. But here the messages are fairly minimal. I mean, there's something of a good triumphs over evil vibe to it, because generally speaking, our protagonist characters win against people who have done evil things. But it's also clear that our protagonists are not entirely good people. We can't even really say good triumphs over evil for all of them, because when you're bookending it with Hardigan's stories, you know, Hardigan wins on the terms he sets, but he doesn't exactly triumph. So this isn't really about messages and morals. This is just the ugly underbelly of a city. And when you're getting this dark and this ugly, the character that you're treating as a good guy kind of has to come out on top. So broadly speaking, this is an entertaining film. It lagged a little bit, I found, in the anthology structure, partly because you come to expect one pace, but then the chapters keep getting longer and longer. So they start to feel slower. That's one thing with an anthology film. They typically work best if you keep the chapters as comparable lengths. Although doing that would have probably meant being unfaithful to the source material, which they didn't want to do. And they do ultimately tie together. Since it's not entirely anthology, we do see different character stories, but there are intersections between those stories. So the main character in one story is a supporting character who walks by in another, and so forth. Brittany Murphy's character appearing in all three. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're interested, I would recommend checking it out. If you don't think you'd be interested in the plot, but you're interested in cinematography and the way movies are shot, this is worth checking out just for that. So as I said, there is one other movie that was tied for that 10 votes in the first place from the original round of voting. That movie is Bram Stoker's Dracula, so that one I'm going to hold off for just one extra month to do it in October. It just seems more appropriate. Only two films were tied for second place. Those were Monty Python's Meaning of Life and Terminator Salvation. So one of those will be the topic in September. I've also picked up enough movies that it's worth putting together a third addendum in the voting. I have been thinking about the voting system, though. When I originally put it together, everything was grouped by decade and then alphabetized within those groups. And then I just started putting an addenda based on the most recent purchases. But I have been tempted to reorganize everything by settings and genres. So there'd be comedy and drama divisions, as well as, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, period pictures, horror, etc. So sci-fi comedy, dr- period drama, etc. It would make it easier for the voters to find the things that they're interested in and want to hear about. But it would also mean having to restart the voting process. I'd keep the old votes, but as the new votes came in, I wouldn't know which movies are being counted twice and so forth. I don't know if people would be interested in going through and re-voting on everything as, as well. So please send feedback on that idea to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com, and I will take that into consideration and decide whether I'm just going to put out a third addendum or whether I would just redraft and restructure the voting to make it easier for people to pick out the movies they want to hear about. In the meantime, please feel free to share links to this with anyone else who you may think may be interested in this particular topic. Please rate this and any of the shows you listen to on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you use, because it really does help the shows get noticed. And finally, thank you for listening.